the Grove, and we are super excited that you're here. I want to welcome all of you. Uh, we designed this service for you, uh, so I hope that you really enjoy it. If you're listening on the podcast, welcome. Uh, if you're listening by CD, awesome that you still have a CD player, you know, more power to you. We welcome you as well. Um, old school, you know, that's how they roll, so... We're excited um, that you're listening and that you have this opportunity, or we have this opportunity to share with you. You picked a great day to come because today we are starting a series. So you don't have to worry about like trying to catch up or whatever. This is part one. Um, we're, we're excited you're here. That music, did you, did anybody recognize where that was from? The check it, that thing? Okay. That was the music that they picked to introduce the iPod, the very first iPod from Apple. So the reason we picked it is because um, our creative team is ingenious, and we are starting a series called called Hashtag Struggles. And we're talking about, I want to say it like this, it's not really true, we're taking on social media here. Um, We are going to talk about social media. Um, Social media is... um, impacting human history in such a huge, huge way. And it's changing. This is important. It's it's changing how we interact as human beings. I mean, the more we engage in technology, the less we connect uh, personally, physically. Um, We can now deal with difficult issues through, like, text. So I can filter. I don't have to show up. We don't have to meet somewhere and discuss. I can, you know text it and then I could cuss you out or whatever and then text something nice. I mean, you, this, it's filtered. Everything is filtered. And we, we have this now with social media and <clears throat> social media. When I talk about social media, I'm talking about Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest. And, and if you're here today and you're saying, well, you know, I'm not on that Facebook thing. That's just not, not me. I don't want any part of that. Um, what I'm going to, what we're going to talk about in this series uh, will still impact you. It's still because whether you like it or not, whether you're on it or not, you are, number one, you are still impacted by social media. It's everywhere. And, it, and if you, you still disagree with me, which is okay, I, I'm an adult, I can take it. Um, what about the garden show? What about the, the extreme makeover? What about the magazines that you have delivered to your home, fishing, boating, all that stuff like that? You are still impacted by media. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to take this on because social media, uh, as sociologists are looking at it, they're seeing some unintended downsides to social media. And we're seeing um, unintended negative consequences. Several universities have done studies with their students. Um, after 30 minutes of being on Facebook, you know, how did they feel? Uh, discontent, this, uh, depression is being cited, feelings of envy. Those kinds of things um, are coming out of social media. So while you have this one awesome thing, or I'm sorry, while you have great things about social media, you can promote your cause, you can connect with your family, share photos, all these kinds of things like that. There are some unintended downsides and negative consequences. And so we are going to talk about that this month. It's a four-part series starting today. And I feel like I need to kind of give a little background for some, you know, people who are not on social media. There's probably two of you in here. So this is for you, a little extra. Um, (laughs) 
But um, I just, uh, the hashtag thing, like, that's, that's like a big thing. It really started around 2007. Um, the hashtag really is an octothorpe, okay? So that's an octothorpe. Because of its eight points. And for a very long time, it was called an octothorpe um, until around the 1960s when it got introduced um, into computer uh, programming and that stuff. They started using it. They called it a hashtag. But really, most people refer to it as a number sign, right? Then Bell Labs introduced it on their push-button phones that hung on the wall with the cord, um, they introduced it as a pound sign, okay? And then after, wait, that's tic-tac-toe. Sorry, that's not it. Next one is a hashtag. Then it became a hashtag. So in 2007, with all the social media, <clears throat> this computer guy said, you know, how can I tag things so I can be able to bring all these things together into one thing, uh, one query where I can see all the posts I've done, all the pictures I've done. And my friends can use that same hashtag, and if they post it publicly, we can, I could query and bring it all together. We use it often here at the Grove, right? Hashtag, we are the Grove, right? So if you go on Google, not right now, okay, I'm talking, okay? If you go on Google later and you've just put in hashtag, we are the Grove, you're going you're gonna to see tons of pictures from Instagram. Uh, there's some really funny pictures. There's one of Jordan and Ale being really funny with lipstick. and I mean, it's on there. We have the Grove. <clears throat> so you'll be able to see those. <clears throat> we use it for Bike for the Light. If you put that in, you'll see a picture of Eric and uh, Mike Morris on one of our rides. Um, Mike's really trying to look cooler than Eric, but Eric is just, you know, he's just pulling it off. So you can check those out. <laughs> so people use it, hashtag family, hashtag boho, hashtag friends, hashtag whatever. And so today we're going to talk about social media. And the, the first thing we're going to talk about is, is discontentment. And uh, our contentment, I should say, with a question mark, hashtag discontentment, hashtag envy, hashtag I want more stuff. Never before in the history of the world have we had so much stuff and yet been so discontent. Never before in the history of the world. And I, I don't know if we all realize it or not. I mean, but we are, every time we're posting, we're, we're at, a lot of us are advertising, you know. And I, there are things that, that, that I didn't even know I wanted that now I want because... My daughter, you know, she posted, she's got the, you know, Frappuccino from Starbucks. I didn't even want a Frappuccino. I'm not even thinking about Frappuccinos. And then I'm scrolling and like, oh, I want that. You know, and, and what we're doing, what's happening with us on social media is that we are actually, we're comparing. We are absolutely comparing. And when we look at other people's lives on social media, they, they look perfect. Things are looking awesome for them. And, and we compare what, what is really their filtered, filtered highlight reels to our behind the scenes. You know, I, I don't have that. That person is there. Man, I wish I was at that level or, I, you know, they got a promotion or they're getting the awesome grades. Well, at least they posted that they got an A on that test. You know, my daughter took her exit exam for college um, this uh, yesterday. Right. And it's a test like on every class she's ever taken. 
in her entire college career. She passed. I was like, man, she is smart, that girl. I'm an idiot compared to my daughter, you know, just comparing. And we're comparing, and we have this, this filtered, our filtered lives. Um, here's a, this is a post I did just as an example, okay? This is the post I did. Um, I was just, you know, feeling grateful for my wife. This is in March, toward the end of March, near my birthday. She was being real nice to me around my birthday. <laughs> and I was kind of hoping, you know, she would get a bunch of likes on my post and, you know, my present might, you know, be a little bit better. But, you know, not that I'm like that at all. Like, none of us are like that. But anyways, no, I was actually feeling really grateful for Lori. And uh, I picked this picture, really nice background, etc. right? So everybody who saw this and liked this photo, um, you know, they could, if they're comparing, I wish we had a marriage like that. I wish that we were happy like that. I wish things were going great for me like this. Okay, but here's the, here's the truth, okay? This picture was taken in February at my sister's funeral. An hour before this photo was taken, I was crying my eyes out trying to give a eulogy about my sister and how awesome she was. That's the reality of this post. You know, I picked this post because look at that smile. I mean, she looks good, right? She's, she's stunning. I don't look so bad, you know. It's a good picture. <laughs> That's our filtered lives. Um, Pastor Stephen Furtick says it this way. He says, we're comparing our behind the scenes with other people's highlight reels. We'll feel like losers because we see the best of their best and we know the worst of our worst. You know, it's the stay-at-home mom who hates the working mom while the working mom hates the stay-at-home mom. You know, because on Pinterest, she's always showing these photos and she's got structured time with her kids and she's so devoted and all that stuff. And yeah, but I have, I've been in a ponytail for a decade and haven't had a dull conversation for since 2009, you know, and you're over there having a life and you look glamorous. And I see that Gucci bag, you know, right? We're comparing and we live in this, in this sense, in this life of discontent. And here's the truth. The more we compare our lives with others, the less satisfied we will be. The more we compare our lives with others, the less satisfied we will be. Discontent is a real problem. It's a real problem. And now it is even a bigger problem because we have so much more ability to compare our lives with those around us. So there's three areas I want to kind of hit on because all of us fall into this. All of us do. There are three areas. The first area of, of discontentment is this. It's material financial discontent. Discontentment. So this is where, you know, this guy's got the job. He's got the, you know, he got the promotion. She's graduating with her master's. I can't even, I can't even afford college. Um, she's having a baby. I can't have a baby. She's, they're getting married. They got engaged. I don't have that. You know, it's that material, financial. He keeps posting that 67 Firebird. Man, if you post that one more time, I swear. I want one of those. Right? So that's one area. So how many of you could, you know, 
feel like, okay, you know, that's me. I fit in that category. The second category is this. It's it's relational. Relational discontentment. So relational discontentment is um, they're out with their friends. I'm at home. They're out with my friends. I didn't get invited. Right? Um, She's on a date again. I haven't had a date in a year. Oh, great. They're engaged. You know? They're getting married. All the wedding photos, right? This, that relational discontentment, you know? Those kinds of things. How many you fit in that category? This, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but just, you know, think. Does that mean? It's him? Okay. I thought, like, I was blocking the screen or something. No, it's you. Is that you? It's going to be okay, man. You you got married. You, you had some dates. You got married. There are people that they didn't even get that. Okay. Hey, time out. That's more information than I wanted. Number three. Okay. These people on the front row, I'm telling you. <clears throat> One, two, three. The third um, is circumstantial discontentment. Okay. So circum- this is my category. Okay. So this is where I'm. I'm preparing the sermon, you know, so like several nights during the week, I am serving God, doing the sermon, and all day Saturday I'm working on getting this memorized and, and, you know, together with the slides and all that, and Eric is out, like, playing with his kids, you know, having fun, shooting pictures, he and his wife, you know, all the mushy stuff, it's like, time out, you know, I need to see you all cheek to cheek, gross, you know. But, you know, there's this circumstantial, I wish I was with them or wish, you know, wish I could go to the park, wish I could go to the movie, you know, hashtag, I don't care, you know. Um, You know, that's, this is kind of my category. This is where I fall in most often. I mean, I deal with the others too, but mostly it's this. So how many of you in that category? You could say, yeah, I'm there, right? It's tough, right? It's tough. It's tough, especially, you know, people are doing some really cool stuff. Really good. So we're all discontented. So what can we do about that? So here's the thing, okay? People tell me that the Bible isn't relevant. That really has no relevance to us today, okay? I'm going to show you today some passages that were written 2,000 years ago. One of them probably 3,000 years ago that was written as if they knew and understood we would be facing social media, that we would have discontentment due to social media. I'm not kidding. It's like I think that the writer knew. Like this was written yesterday, right? This guy's talking about Facebook, right? The Bible is very, very relevant to us today. So we're going to look at a passage from a guy. His name is Paul. He was an apostle. And Paul wrote this when he was in jail. Okay, and Paul, Paul was, um, he was in jail for being a Christian. It was that time frame. And he was actually chained to a Roman guard. So the whole 24-7 with this Roman guard. Um, not the same one. I think they traded out. But, okay, he would be chained to a guard for 24-7 the entire time he was in prison. And, and he wrote this about contentment. He said, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret 
the secret of being content in any and every situation on Facebook, on Twitter. I mean, you could put that right there, right? In every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And he says this, this is the secret, okay? This is the secret to contentment. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and the secret of contentment, the secret of contentment is not found in what I have or what I don't have. The secret of contentment is found in Christ and Christ alone. That's what he's saying. And until you're in a situation where Christ is all you have, like you're in prison, chained to a guard all the time, until you're in a situation where Christ is all you have, you will never realize, that means to make real, you will never realize that Christ is all you need. Amen. So, what, I mean, can you describe this? I mean, uh, this is great. I kind of get it, but how does that Facebook, I mean, what is it? This is the deal. Okay, and this is probably the best way to explain this, is that um, I can't be content. I struggle with contentment because of comparing, and I look at what I should have or would have or where I should be and, and wish I was and I'm not, all those things like that. Um, I can't, but because of the work that Jesus did through the work that Jesus did when he restored my vertical relationship with God, you can do all the good you want vertically, uh, horizontally, but you have to rectify the vertical relationship. Eric talked about that last week. It was fantastic. Because Jesus died on the cross from all, all, for all of my sins, my, rest, my relationship with, with God is restored. And so now I have, I have God's spirit in me. You know, I ask Jesus into my heart and life. I ask him to, to be the CEO of my life. So I can't. He can't. So what Paul is saying is he can through me. I can't. He can. He can through me. So I don't really, I don't need a Frappuccino. I don't. I have Jesus. Jesus is enough for me. You know, I I don't have the 67 Firebird. I want that, but I I don't need that. I have Jesus. I'm good. Is Jesus enough for you? When Jesus is enough for you, that if if you have Jesus, that's all you need then you'll find contentment. You'll be able to be content because Jesus will give you the strength you need as you depend and rely on him, as you invite him into every situation of your life. You'll be able to do it. Do all things. Amen? There's a point, and you can do this. This would be a suggestion, is that there was a time where I had a situation where nothing, no one could help me, no amount of Starbucks, no amount of anything was going to help me with the issue that I had in front of me. And so on my phone, I put, just give me Jesus. And so every time I unlocked my screen, that's what I saw, just give me Jesus. And that was my reminder that Christ is enough. Because I promise you, you will hit a situation where Christ is all you have and you will realize in that experience that Jesus was all you need, all you need. His presence is real. He offers peace. 
He's our rock, sustainer, redeemer. He's our assurance, right? Jesus is everything we need. When everything else is stripped away, you cling to the Savior, right? And until you let Christ be all that you need, you will always battle with discontentment, right? So how do we overcome discontentment, okay? So how do I do this? What, what are some practical steps? So we talked about having the strength, allowing Jesus to be enough. And, you know, so what are the practical things? Well, you may need to, you may need to uh, take a social media break. In fact, Paul suggested this, right? I'm sorry. We have to kill comparisons. So in Second Corinthians, Paul, the same guy that wrote the, the other thing, wrote this. He said, we do not classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. Is that not Facebook or what? It's not not Pinterest. It's not not Twitter. I mean, come on. We do not dare. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. They are not wise. Basically, comparisons is a bad idea. Andy Stanley says it this way. There's no win in comparison. There's no win in comparison, right? There's no win. So we dare not compare so how do we overcome discontentment? Well, the first step is we need to kill comparisons, right? We need to stop comparing ourselves, our lives, with other people's, right? Their highlight reel with our behind the scenes, okay? And the reason is because discontentment leads to envy. Discontentment leads to envy. And envy is very, very bad. In fact, Jesus' brother James wrote this, he said, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. In other words, don't, you know, come on, man, be real. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. Bitter envy and selfish ambition are not from heaven. They are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. That's strong language. And I can be discontent, but at the point I am now envious and envy begins to take hold of my heart, um, I'm, in a, I'm in a bad way. In fact, James says this in the next verse. He says, for where you have envy and self, uh, selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. Basically, what he's saying is if you harbor bitter envy and that you run down that road, it's going to go bad for you. You're going to experience bad things. You're going to wreck relationships. You're going to cause yourself a lot of grief. Right? So we need to kill comparisons. We need to stop comparing because comparing fuels discontentment, which breeds envy. Right? So here's some, here are the practical steps. Take a social media break. I have a friend every so often. She just goes off for six weeks. She just like, I've had enough. There's too much drama. Right? She takes, take a social media break. Take off that person that's a trigger for you. You know, She's always posting her brownies, but you're looking at her kitchen and how much better it is than yours. Turn off her feed. Turn it off. You know, Unfollow that person. Right? Stop ordering shopping magazines. 
So you're not on social media. Well, are you still getting the magazines? You know, home and garden, boating, fishing, etc. You know, stop. Turn it off. Throw it out. Get rid of it. If it's the trigger. Stop watching Home and Garden, Extreme Makeover. That was the one for me. It was like, gosh, I need to come up with a really good cause here so I can get my house redone. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a pastor. This could work. Maybe we could, you know, that's terrible, right? That's awful, you know, and I, can, I didn't actually do that. The, the thought crossed my mind. I'm like, I need a good cause. These people are raking it in, man, right? So... There's some practical steps. You need to do that. Um, you need to realize that envy, when you are envying someone else, just think about this for a minute, okay? Envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives, not Andy, envy, and ignoring God's goodness in your own life. That's not good. That's not good. I mean, imagine... Imagine if you're a parent, you know, if you're not a parent, pretend you're a parent. If you're a parent um, and you're giving your kids stuff, buying their phone, like, you know, and they just keep telling you, this is a crappy phone. Joey has an iPhone. This is a flip phone. You know, that's like 90s. You know, this is crap. (laughs) Right? I had a child do that. <laughs> why, why do they have this stuff and I don't? I mean, we're resenting the goodness that is... You have a phone. I kept saying, you have a phone. You know, this is a phone. You have a phone. I'm not giving you a $700 phone so you can crush it. <laughs> okay? Right? Amen. Amen. <laughs> right? It's... Envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's life and ignoring the goodness in your own life. So, so here's a practical step to kill comparisons, right? Those are the, you know, get off it if you can't handle it. But through God's strength, through Christ in you, it would be great if we could take the step of saying, man, it's so cool that Joey has an iPhone 6. I can celebrate the success of others. When I'm on Facebook and I'm looking at, at things that are going on, you know, Phil just took a vacation. It was looked really awesome. He was having a good time. And I was celebrating that with him, you know, by clicking like, you know, <laughs> right on, bro. You know, right? Celebrate the success of others. That will take away envy in your heart. It will purify your heart. Another way that we can overcome um, discontentment is by cultivating gratitude. Okay, and I promise you, this is hard. This is harder than it sounds. Okay, when my, my daughter went to college, I gave her a journal, basically this plain old journal, kind of pink with a flower, and I said, "This is your gratefulness journal. You need to write in that every day five things that you're grateful for." Every day, because when you have a 10 page term paper, that gratefulness is not going to be in your heart. It's going to be hard when you have three exams on the same week, same at the same at the end, end of the same week. It's going to be hard and you need to find some gratefulness. Right. Because when, when we're comparing, we're in discontent, 
we, we lose sight of what we should be grateful for. Now, maybe you're here and you're like, you don't know me. I don't have anything to be grateful for. And I just want to say two things. One, you don't know me. You don't know what I've been through. And we can compare stories after. But this much I can tell you, you're breathing. You came in here today, right? You, we gave you a donut and coffee opportunity. I mean, there's something. There's something in your life that you can be grateful for, even if it's just the fact that you're breathing. And as Paul says, if you have Jesus, isn't that enough? Isn't that enough? Right? So we need to cultivate gratitude. Um, Proverbs 15, 15 says it this way. For the despondent every day brings trouble. The despondent is the discontent. Right? And the envious. When you're in that place, you know, oh, my kids are terrible. They're going to act terrible today. Oh, I have a crappy car. Oh, you know, everything is wrong in my world. Right? You know people like that? Right? If you don't know someone like that, hashtag it might be you. <laughs> okay, you might want to think about that. <laughs> you know, I'm tired of my car. My life is crazy. My house is too small. Everything sucks. My life sucks. I hate it, right? The despondent, every day brings trouble. <laughs> you're reaping what you're sowing. That's what he's saying there. For the happy heart, this would be grateful. For those who are grateful, life is a continual feast, Okay. If you want to experience grateful, just hang out with Eric, okay? He's the most grateful person I've ever met. He's patted me on the shoulder a couple of times and said, choose life, Robert, choose life. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, am I being discontent? <laughs> right? Gratefulness. Uh, Solomon, okay, Solomon wrote this probably around 3,000 years ago, I think, somewhere in there. He wrote this in Ecclesiastes 6.9. He says, enjoy what you have. Rather than desiring what you don't have. Okay, tell me the Bible's not relevant here. Is that not Facebook? I mean, Pinterest? Instagram? Come on. It's right there. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Be grateful. Be grateful. I have a car. I have a house. I have a phone. It works. I can have donuts and coffee. I'm breathing. I'm breathing. And tomorrow's a new day. And I have Jesus. And Christ is enough. So kill comparisons and envy by celebrating the success of others. Cultivate gratitude. Shut it off if you have to. I mean, if you're in that place where it's just too much, you are depressed. Your life feels like it's going nowhere. I am nowhere. I don't exist. You know, I, I put up a picture. I get 30 likes. Eric picks up a picture, 150 likes. No one loves me. I'm, you know, no one cares. <laughs> Shut it off. The sun is outside, shining. Go outside, breathe. Go to the grocery store. Go, you know, go to the park. Do something. Do something. Be grateful. And this is my challenge, right? Start with an honest evaluation of yourself. Okay, hashtag it might be you. Start with an on it. Well, you know, where am I at? I mean, am I in a financial one? Financial material, a discontentment, is that me? Is it relational discontentment? Is that me? Circumstantial, is it being honest? Like, yeah, you know what, Rob, this is, yeah, this is where I'm at. It's me. 
and I have discontentment and some bitter, bitter envy. You know, I've harbored some bitter enviness toward people. That guy, oh, like, like Gru says, ooh, I hate that guy. <laughs> right? If that's you, then take a step towards celebrating the success of others and cultivate, cultivate gratitude. Gratitude takes work because you have to overcome that part of your brain that says, if I'm sad enough, long enough, and I make enough people around me miserable, they will do what I want them to do and acknowledge me and placate me and help me. And somehow this is how I can, can control my situation of where I'm at. That's bad. No one likes that. It's not healthy for you. It'd be so much better if you want people's attention, if you want to feel like you exist, is to call your, call somebody, your brother, sister, uncle, friend, whatever, and say, hey, uh, do you want to get coffee? It's better. It works better. Go have coffee. Go to the movies. There's some good ones out right now. Do something to cultivate gratefulness in you. Get a journal. Start writing. Five a day. I'm telling you. Five a day. And you will see a huge impact in your life. Amen. That's our challenge. So good. Don't you love God? I just really love the fact that we have Jesus. And that that this void that's that's in my heart for me speaking personally, this void of of having to face issues, having to face them alone, having to be in in a situation where I, I can't handle this. I, I I don't know who to turn to, I don't no one can help me with this. You know, and then oh yeah, Jesus. Jesus is here with me and Jesus can make a difference. He can change my life, he can work in this situation. I can do all things because, well, I can't, but he can. He can through me. I value that. I value that. And I want to take a moment. If you're here and you don't have that relationship, that you, your vertical relationship, the relationship between you and God is broken still because you've, you know, you ran amok. You're, you know, everybody in this room has sinned. We've all made mistakes. We've all broken the law. And, and God is a just God. And that, the, that there needs to be reparations made. You need to repair that relationship. And if you do that, that, that hole in your heart, that sense of emptiness, that feeling that, you know, I just, I don't even know how, I, how I'm going to make it. You know, that sense, that thing. God comes in and feels that and that when that relationship is restored. And I want to give you that opportunity to make a decision to repair that relationship right now because it's super easy. I mean, you're like, how can it be easy, man? You don't know what I've done. How can God ever forgive me for what I've done? Well, here's how he did it. He had his son come, Jesus, and he lived the life. Jesus lived the life you were supposed to live, right? Each one of us were supposed to live this perfect life. In God's eyes. And he did that on your behalf. And then he went to the cross and he died in your place. So every sin that you committed, are committing, will commit, 
Jesus took with him on the Christ and he paid your penalty. So if you think of it this way, when you go to court for a speeding ticket, if you went to court and they said, no, you're guilty and you had to pay the fine, doesn't matter what the fine is, whatever it was, when you paid it and left, the fine was paid. So you may think, well, no, God, you know, God can't forgive me. My, my fine is too big. Well, <laughs> Jesus' death on the cross paid your fine. It, it's paid for. You just have to accept that and say, okay, God, I, I accept the sacrifice that Jesus made for me. And when you do that, you repair the relationship because now God doesn't see you as you. He sees you through Jesus. And he says, you're, you're my son. You're adopted. You're in my family. I've, I've come to, to make my home with you. It says this in 1 John. It says, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, right, that he, that he died for you, all that, God lives in them and they in God. And so now we know and rely on the love God has for us. That's really all it is. So if you, let's bow our heads. This is for some privacy. Close your eyes if you don't mind. And let's just take a minute. If you want that relationship with God, you want that relationship with Jesus so that you can know the secret of contentment, just raise your hand. Lift your hand. Let me see. Amen. Anyone else? This is your opportunity. You want God. You know, I... I, I've been in so many situations in my life where I just, I need, a, I need someone on God's level to solve my problems, to work with me, to help me. Do you want that? You can have that. Just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. All right. So if you raise your hand, this is how easy it is. You're just going to, we're going to talk to God and say, God, you know, come into my life and, and make it new. And forgive me if I said, let's pray this prayer. So just repeat this after me, okay? And everybody else, if you're a Christian, you can pray this along so it's not so awkward, right? Dear Jesus, I have sinned. I've made lots of mistakes. Forgive me of all of my sins. Jesus, come into my life and make me new. Jesus, be my contentment. Help me with all these situations that I have in my life. And walk with me for the rest of my days. In your name, amen.